Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. something and I will run with it. If I need to make imaginary fireballs and launch them at people, I will. What three wrestling matches would you watch if you were stranded on a desert island? This is what I'm asking wrestling's best. In the ring, around the ring, behind the scenes or behind a microphone. I'm Tom Campbell. Thank you for joining me on Cultaholic Island for another episode of Desert Island Graps. From Airdrie, Scotland. She is Wrestle Beach, Emily Hayden. She has come here to take ICW, she said, to take the division. She's here to take arms as trophies before she takes the big trophy, the ICW Women's World Championship. What sort of gift is in that bag? It's a toaster. Of course it's a toaster. Somebody brought a toaster as a wedding gift. God damn it, Toasty! You know she's been causing problems with us. No, 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 it's fine. I'll get up. I'll get up and leave even though it's my flat. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. It is perfectly fine. Okay. Screw you, Toasty! It's a bloody toaster! Emily Hayden, how are we doing? Hey, Beach, how's it going? It's going good, thank you. Can you explain how you made the Scottish wrestling world fall in love with a toaster? Personally, I don't know how I managed that myself. <laughs> I looked at a toaster one day and thought, you know, that's a pretty fine-looking toaster. Let's see what we can do. That sounds like a very auspicious start. Like, that's not something that I think about <laughs> when I walk into Ikea. That's a pretty fine-looking toaster. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I imagine it a little saucy number with my glasses on, you know. <laughs> Toasty became a bit of a hit, didn't he? A, a little bit, you could say that. Uh, look, I was actually surprised. Like, um, it, it, it started off as a joke initially. Like, uh, myself and Sammy Joe, uh, we were wrestling at Fierce Females and we got asked, because of the way that the feud was going, uh, do you want to do an I Do match? And we were like, yeah, we'll do the first ever I do match. That sounds fun. Uh, it's essentially just an I quit match, but wedding themed because one of the promos I did, I, I made fun of the fact that Sammy got engaged the night before and I got down on one knee and was like, oh, Sammy Joe, will you marry me? And then I got up and I said, I'm just kidding. Who would want to marry an effing ugly cow like you? <laughs> and wow. then Toasty was born from that. <laughs> So the toasty was a wedding. So toasty was a wedding gift, presumably. He was a wedding gift, yes. And the, the I do match. I went under the ring, pulled out a gift bag, 
and I distinctly remember screaming, what is this? <laughs> uh, she she pulled out a, a glittery steel chair, so I thought it was very unfair. Uh, proceeded to hit me with the steel chair and it bounced off the gift bag and knocked her out. And then I went into the bag and it was a toaster. <laughs> Wrestling's the best when it's nonsense, isn't it? Absolutely. I wholeheartedly agree. And now I get to say that I had my own version of a good housekeeping match because of it. Yeah, you've, you've, you've basically got your own custom match, basically. That you, yeah. you can take with you forever. Um, do 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 booking agents ask about Toasty? Because he's got his own Twitter now and, and all of that jazz. Yeah. So he's very much part of the equation. Does he get bookings? Yes, he actually does. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I know. Like, um, I remember uh, UCW because I, I'm the women's champion down there. And um, the, we were talking dates. And then Brian, uh, one of the owners, is like, so you bringing Toasty down or what? And, <laughs> and I, I'm just like, well, you know, he he charges like for uh, per booking as well. So you need to discuss that with him. Amazing. So oh, what I love about actually, you mentioned it there and it's it's very rare I get a chance to talk about UCW because uh, I'm based in the northeast of England, as as we all are a cultaholic. And, and UCW is, is a, a bubble unto itself in a very crowded world of wrestling. What they do to make themselves stand out is they have wrestling events themed around former host of Ready Steady Cook, Ainsley Harriet. Yes, and I love it. And it's 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 amazing. They do like the Yeah Boy Invitational, which is uh, which is uh, one of the well-known catchphrases of Ainsley Harriet. And <laughs> it's just it's again we we echo the point that we started with Emily. Wrestling's the best when it is nonsense. Absolutely 100%. And we're going to set... I mean, I've made a career out of it, so... Well, there you go. You certainly have. <laughs> and we're going to talk all about your life and times and what is to come throughout uh, our time together today. But we're also going to send you onto a desert island, Emily. Oh, that's good. I could do with the, the solitude. I think we all could. make could. it like the desert of solitude or something. I don't know. <laughs> I think it'd be good for us to be away from everybody for ages. And um, we're going to send with you a DVD featuring three wrestling matches that you would happily watch whilst you are there. We're going to build that DVD uh, throughout our time today. What would you like your first match to be, Emily? First match I have to say is Edge versus Mick Foley and the hardcore match at WrestleMania 22. Mick, you've never had that classic, defining, legend-making WrestleMania performance that you crave. So what's it going to be, Mick? While I reject your offer for a wrestling match, I'd like to challenge you to another match where there are no rules, no disqualifications, and there are no excuses. You and me at WrestleMania in a hardcore match. No, 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 no. About that challenge, I accept. Mick Foley has gone from being a hardcore legend to a cuddly teddy bear. A Muppet. Mick, you're pathetic. Oh, yeah, Edge, you spoke the truth. But by doing so, you've awoken something inside of me that was sleeping for too long. Do you know what you've done? You have created a monster. You brought back to life the hardcore legend. Only looking to eradicate Edge. And at WrestleMania. Whatever. Truth hurts, baby! Any 
anytime anyone asks me like what what's one of your all-time favorite matches I always say this match in particular and for me it was I grew up I loved Edge I loved Mick Foley so this match was uh my childhood dream come true uh but in particular I'll never forget the way in which the storytelling like for a hardcore match there was a lot of storytelling in it uh it wasn't just Spot, 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 spot. We're gonna fling in thumbtacks here. Spot, 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 spot. Here's some barbed wire. Like there was a lot of storytelling to it, and um, like there's moments I'll never forget that were just that blew my mind as a kid. They still blow my mind right now. Like I recently watched the match the other day again, and and it still captured the the magic from when I was a kid. And uh, in particular, the spot where Edge goes to, he's building up the spear, you know, doing his usual, get the hand up, come on, come on, come on. He's building up the spear, charges in, and he spears Foley, but then you realise something's went wrong. And then Foley just lifts up his shirt and you see that he's, he's uh, wrapped the barbed wire around himself. I thought that was just genius. That was superb. And then... Um, and then they got Lita involved, and I'm a big fan of Lita, so it was awesome seeing her and the kind of a manager sort of a role and how she was playing a part in the hardcore match. And she just wasn't afraid to get in there too. So in particular, that double clothesline from Foley to the two of them to the outside. Oh, I just thought it was amazing. I think so, every, the one yeah. thing everyone remembers from that match, I mean, the, the barbed wire spear spot, I'd completely forgotten until you said that now. But that finish. Yes. Oh, and, and, and that's what I'm saying about the, the storytelling. It was when they were, you, every single thing that they were doing, so there was the barbed wire, and then they got the thumbtacks involved, and then you saw Edge setting up the table, and you're like, right, okay, there's definitely going to be something to do with a table. But then the table gets lit on fire, and you're like, oh, my God, this has to be the finish. Uh, and, yeah, as soon as it was, and, and the bell went, and then the first thing that you see is Edge's face after he's won and he's like shaking and you can see that he's just like a broken man after this match and I'll never forget that 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 face after after the match with, with Edge it stays with me it's it's funnily enough his face after that and I was like oh yeah I definitely want to be a wrestler now <laughs> where so where were you when you watched that where were you like were you, were you at home were you in a room were you out with friends what was the setting i was at home with my dad and brother and watched this match uh unfortunately i couldn't stay up late because it was a school night you, you know uh but <laughs> with uh back in the day when you could actually record the the pay-per-views off the tv with your vhs uh, so my dad was like, okay, we'll record it and we'll watch it the next day. And that was how we always did pay-per-views. So we watched WrestleMania 22 on our little VHS. And yeah, so I was with my dad and my brother and they were the guys that got me into wrestling. So it was a very full circle moment there because that was the moment I was like, yeah, definitely going to be a wrestler. Did definitely. You, did your dad ever tell you how he got into becoming a wrestling fan? Uh, yeah, actually, it was his dad that got him into becoming uh, a wrestling fan and that was their their sort of a bonding moment so I got to have that bonding moment with my dad my dad had that bonding moment with his dad so and to this day he actually still has a full box and it's just all these old wrestling tapes and it's uh, from Wrestlemania 1 until about 22 I think because he, he just kept taping them and he's also got the summer slams in there he's also got royal rumbles so he would show me all the old ones as well so I got to see what uh, Hulk Hogan, Macho Man, Ultimate Warrior 
people like that as well. Are they are they tapes that he's recorded himself? From yeah, the, TV? The, same, the exact same thing as as what he would do, which is his dad would just record them off the TV as well. There's something magic about having the VHSs that I think you lose when they're just on the you just click a button and they appear like having the vhs tapes like writing the label and and like designing the logo for the like you don't get that anymore and i and i and i'm a big partial a big very very partial to that do you think that when the time comes and and if you ever choose to bring children in will you continue that legacy sitting down oh, and yeah, wrestling with them yeah 100 percent like uh, me and my current partner, like obviously we've had the, the conversation about kids and, and whatnot. And it's uh, that was one of the first things I said. It's like, I'm going to do the, the exact same thing that my dad did with me, whether it's a boy, whether it's a girl, I don't care. They're going to get the VHS treatment too. They're going to get into wrestling whether they want to or not. They'll be there. They'll be there. That's Other, otherwise, Uncle Toasty will have a word with them. <laughs> oh, bless him. He'll be the best babysitter you've ever known. <laughs> with uh, you mentioned Lita as we were talking about uh, about that match, and um, I've I've heard you in previous interviews talk about how it was a moonsault from Lita that went that made you realise, oh, girls can do this too, like yeah. a real eye popping moment. Once you started getting into it, once you realised that hey, this is something that girls do as well. How long was it before you went? Not only is it something that girls can do, it's something that I, a girl, would like to do as well. Well, it, it took me a very long time because I was... <laughs> I laugh about it now because you, you look at the UK scene and it, it, it's just a variety. But back then, I only knew WWE. So I always thought, oh, well, if I want to be a wrestler, I need to go to America. And so I didn't know that there was this scene over here. And it wasn't until I started college when I was 17 that I discovered the Scottish scene. So I went to college uh, and you know what it's like the awkward first day, you don't really want to talk to anyone, you don't you don't really know what everyone's all about. Uh, but then somehow we all ended up talking about wrestling, talked about the SummerSlam pay-per-view of that year. And one of the guys in the class, he turned to me and he was like, oh, so you, you like wrestling? I thought, well, that's stating the obvious right there, I've just been talking about it. Uh, why are you being a creep? <laughs> And then, and then uh, I was like, yeah, why? Uh, and he was like, oh, my sister's a wrestler. Um, would you ever want to do it? And I thought, like, oh, this guy's just ribbing me. Like, he's just making fun of the fact that I'm a girl that likes wrestling. And I was like, yeah, okay, I would. Uh, and he could tell that I didn't believe him. So we got into the, it was a computing class. So we got into the classroom. We went to the computer, the, the Facebook. There you go. That's photos of my, my sister. And uh, it was photos of his sister against Kaylee Ray. And I was like, okay, so we have a Scottish wrestling scene. How did I sign up to this? How did I learn? Where is this? Uh, so he, he told me the details and it turned out it was actually around the corner from where I used to stay. So I took that as a sign. I have to go and do this. Must have been um, like opening a hidden door. Yeah, it was. It was like <laughs> when you're saying opening a hidden door, it's like when you, you're playing Resident Evil and you find like a hidden door with like a new weapon on it. That's the only way I can describe it. It's like, oh my God, I found a Chicago typewriter. Like, I'm definitely going to win at this game. Like, So, <laughs> so yeah. Uh, and I walked in and on my first day I met TJ Dage and that was my coach and 
that's been me ever since and best decision I ever made. Who was the um who was the the wrestler fighting Kaylee Ray that you're that was the sister of your friend? Her name was Shelly Starr. I don't know if you've you've heard of her. I know the name. Because uh, I'm yeah. just a geek and I just know all things, but yeah. um, but I, I like I, out of interest. When you were at college, what were you studying? What was the plan? I was actually studying computing, so I, I've actually got a degree in IT and programming, and uh, that was where I actually learned to do audio editing and video editing because. Uh, it was actually Jayla's husband, uh, the artist formerly known as Sean Walker. He edited and videoed a, a lot of my promos. But then after the pandemic hit, uh, I started getting cabin fever. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to do my own promos in here and try and put this degree to use. What was the plan going to be then with that degree in computing? So initially the, the plan was uh, I wanted to get into games development because that's another part of my degree. Uh, and I wanted to just develop games. And then wrestling came along and kind of uh, knocked that plan to the side. Is it something you still might pick up, though? Yeah, yeah. It's it's something that I, I've toyed about with now and again. Like, um, with IT, actually, IT's been quite good for me because that, that was actually how I met my current partner. So, uh, and then, so that's kind of a, my, my escape out with wrestling. Like, he knows all about my wrestling and whatnot. So, but nine times out of ten, we always talk IT. It's not really about wrestling so much. So, yeah, like, initially, the plan was to go in i would love to keep going with it like i'm pretty sure i have a disc somewhere still of a game i had to develop for for part of my assessment and it was like undertale sort of a style i was going to ask because a few mates of mine who are game devs they they always said that before they got into it they had that sort of one idea for a game they'd love to make yeah same with you emily would you mind sharing us the the dream game that young emily hayden wanted to make Young Emily Hayden wanted to make the the brave little toasty Undertale style. No, <laughs> I'd buy it. Telltale game style point and click with the brave little toaster. I'd love that. I'd like, that. I mean, I mean, I'm 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 just gonna put out my shout outs right there. Uh, Square Square Enix. Uh, under like uh, the developers of Undertale. Uh, Toys for Bob because they recently did uh, the Spyro remake and the Crash remake. You know, like if you want to hit me up at Emily Hayden, you know. There you go. What was the game though? Did you have one in particular, or was it the Undertale one that you were developing? Like the Undertale. Yeah, it was like an it was an Undertale uh, Undertale style, but it, it wasn't a toaster. Unfortunately, this is uh, this is uh, BT before Toasty. So <laughs> um, it was initially a game and I kind of I took inspiration from Clock Tower 3 where it was you were you were getting chased and you had to do like evasion. Oh that was terrifying because it, yeah, it was I loved so it, simple but so frightening. Like I recently played that on one of my streams and a lot of the comments that I was getting was I've never heard of this game. What is this game? This game is terrifying. What is going on? What have I missed? So yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was the, the premise of the game that I was going for, but I wanted it to be more, like I said, the Undertale style, so 2D pixels, and uh, I get, the best way to describe how it looked was like kind of a, like, with the maze style of Pac-Man, mm. it was kind of like that. So like a top-down, walk yeah. around the maze, yeah. like storyline strands that appear when you chat to people. Yeah, that was it exactly. 
and I, I, I swear, I'm actually going to have to look through all my stuff and see if I can find it, but I swear I still have that desk. If I find it, I will get a photo of it oh, and put it on, on Twitter. Please do, please do. Is there, what is it you're playing at the moment then? You are a big games fan and uh, yeah. you do all the stuff on the Twitch as well. Um, what are you playing at the moment? Right now, I'm playing three different games on Twitch. So I have Eco, uh, Konoa 2, uh, Winnetea's Vale, and I recently started Final Fantasy X Part 2 as well. So I'm contending with three games at the one time at the moment. And the Final Fantasy X in itself is is, is a whole meal, let alone oh, yeah. adding uh, Eco and Klonoa on there as well. That are Yeah, I know, right? Like, uh, right. I was going to play Final Fantasy X, but then and, and I, it was International Women's Day, and I was like, 10 Part 2 suits the, the job better for that. Plus, I feel like 10 Part 2 is very underrated. Like, we all know that, that 10 is superb, but the story was superb, the gameplay was superb. But a lot of people always go, oh, well, 10 Part 2 is just like the Charlie's Angels version of Final Fantasy. And I'm like, yeah, and what? Mm. It's rare that they do, it's rare that they pick up the... the the uh, the game again because with the whole thing with Final Fantasy is the majority of them if not all of them they're all standalone adventures exactly so to have a part two shows the impact that some of those characters had the fact that they go we're gonna bring them back again so exactly what it must and it was a great there. story like uh, I love the gameplay of it people hate on the gameplay and it's one of the best gameplay styles I've had because the dress fear system brought back the job system from the original Final Fantasy games where it could be, I want this character in this fight to be a black mage, I want them to be a, a, a white mage, I want my, my character to be a warrior. So your battles would, would be strategic in that sense. And I loved that. It was a good game that made you think in that sense. You, th- you think more about not not just the characters themselves, but the impact that some characters have on other characters in, in the fight <laughs> sequences and such like that. And it just it gives you an extra level of thinking to it. Yeah, 100%. And then in terms of uh, Klonoa 2, I've never actually played it before. Oh, it's so gorgeous, I've... isn't it? Yes. <laughs> oh, and it's, it. it's. I always tell this story. Um, when the PlayStation 2 first came out, that was the one game that I asked for. My, my dad and my mom asked me and my brother, what do you want for Christmas? And me and my brother kind of cracked the system at this point. So it was, all right, so I'll ask for a PlayStation 2 and you ask for an Xbox and then we can just switch. And uh, so... <laughs> So we did that, and the one game I kept asking for was, can you get me Clone Water? Can you get me Clone Water? But because the game wasn't mainstream at that point, like nobody really had heard of Clone uh, no, no one could find it anymore for me. So I waited years and years and years. Eventually, I forgot about it. And then my brother, like he always likes to get me obscure games. Uh, he, he messaged me one day, and he's like, hey, I got a surprise for you. And I went around to see him. And he handed me it, and I was like, oh my god, I can finally play Clone Water. And I got all emotional. I was like, I'm going to play this on Twitch, and everyone's going to see my genuine reactions while I'm playing it. That's amazing. Oh, what a great brother. Yeah. What an absolute legend. He's awesome. Like, uh, anytime I'm on Twitter as well, he's always, especially for my Twitch, he's always in full support, always retweets me. So shout out Grant. Like, he, he's a good beach. Uh, so yeah, anytime I go on Twitch, he, he jumps on, he jumps on the stream and he, he's showing his support and he's retweeting me and he's going, oh, check out my sister's Twitch, like, she's doing this and she's doing that. And so that's really nice because my brother influenced me a lot. So not just with wrestling, but with video games and a lot of the cartoons I would watch. And like, he, he was the one that got me into like Power Rangers and Dragon Ball Z and things. 
With your brother being such an influence, what was his reaction when you said that you were going to get into wrestling? He thought it was awesome. Like, uh, so me and my brother actually used to fight like cat and dog all the time. Like, there was, we, we drove my parents insane. So, <laughs> but then uh, my, my dad and my mum split up and I went to live with my dad and he stayed with my mum. But I would go around frequently because I was just around the corner. And um, it got to a point where... We weren't fighting as much, like cat and dog, but we would still get the couple of digs in and that. And when I tell you this, you're going to be shocked. Like everyone's always initially shocked when I tell them. So I stand at five foot four. My brother stands at six foot seven, and he is built like Big Show. Jeez. I'm not even kidding. Yes. So I always say he stole the rest of my height. But yeah. Has he so... thought about getting into wrestling? <laughs> <laughs> I said that to him, but he was like... Mm, Vince McMahon no. would bite his hand off. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? So I asked my brother if he wanted to get into wrestling. He was like, mm, no, I just prefer being a fan. So, because he, he's very timid. Like, my brother's autistic, so he, he doesn't really like meeting new people a lot, mm. and he doesn't like, like noise and that, because he's never seen me wrestle live. He's seen me, like, wrestling on video and stuff, but he's never been to see me live, and that's something that... I can live with because I understand how yeah. he feels. But the, yeah, the cliche, is, the cliche is gentle giant, but yeah, he has a gentle, gentle giant. giant. Well, not with me. He used to manhandle me all the time, but <laughs> like, you know, that's where I learned some of my basic wrestling. It'd be like, he would do a big show chop to me and I'd, I'd inadvertently take a bump, you know, and it'd be like, oh, right, that's my life now. Uh, <laughs> what I like is like we had um, we had Faye Jackson on last week for Desert Island Grabs from uh, from GCW and stuff, and this is the second week in a row where the conversation has turned to yeah, brother beat the shit out of me in wrestling. <laughs> There's a theme that seems to be running at the moment in Desert Island Grabs. I'm not against it. I'm not against it. Let's let's move I mean, to to um to P to the training to PPW when you walk in the room, intimidating like you say because you. You, you've said in previous interviews you were quite um, you were quite shy early yeah. on, weren't you? And it's not the vibe that we get today. But as, as as somebody who was a bit shy heading into that sort of world, what was your your, your first thoughts walking in? Oh my god, I'm gonna throw up. Yeah, did you throw up? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> I felt like I was after the warm up, but you know that that's down to my poor cardio at that point in time. Was the, that was was that a big learn very early on? Just the the amount yeah, of cardio 100%. that needs to be done. Yeah, there there's a lot of things that you don't realise are so important when it comes to wrestling. Uh, like I remember the epiphany one day I had, and it was one of the first times that I ever done a training match. And it's you need to try and remember the match. You need to try and remember how to do the moves. You need to try and remember how to take the moves. But then you need to show out, and then you need to sell, and it's and you don't realize just how much breathing that you need to do in between all that. So you, you start to like if you don't breathe properly, you start to gas. So I, I only done like two minutes at the start of like my first ever match, and I was like gassing. I was like <gasps> rest hold, you know. <laughs> So breathing is the big thing that you learn early on then. Yeah. Yeah, wholeheartedly. Uh especially with bumps, because my first ever bump I winded myself. Oh jeez. <laughs> and I had TJ going, You're all right, put your hands <laughs> in your head, breathe in and out, and then get back to it. Obviously we talked about the breathing, we talked about your recovery from bumps. Is there something that TJ told you or advised you early early on that has stayed with you even today? 
Yes, 100%. There's a few things, like uh, he, he's infamous uh, Bret Hart story, but I'll let him tell that at some point. <laughs> but um, but no, nothing bad, I will say. it was just It's just a funny story. But um, yeah, like the first time I ever wrestled in front of a crowd, like my, my debut show, uh, the, the heart was pounding, the anxiety was real that day. That was literally another moment where I was like, I think I'm going to throw up. Uh, and I just wanted to do well, and I was feeling the pressure, and I'm waiting to uh, behind the the curtain just to go out, and then TJ he he his match was on after mine, so he was about the same area, and he turned to me and he went, "You nervous?" And I was like, "Yeah," and he, was, and he just went, "Good," and he walked away, <laughs> <laughs> and and then I caught and then he caught up with me after after the the show. And he says, uh, were you still feeling nervous when you went out? And I was like, yeah, but I, I got into it. Like, I had a lot of fun. And he says, good. Um, and the piece of advice that always stays with me is this. He said, if you're nervous when you go out, that means that you care. The day that you stop being nervous is the day that you, you shouldn't do it anymore. Okay, so my second match is Eddie Guerrero versus Rey Mysterio in the custody ladder match at SummerSlam 2005. Dominic! Rey is not your father! I'm your father, Dominic! Is it true, Dad? Is it really true? you're holding there are official custody papers. That means you have to bring Dominic and turn him over to me. You've beaten addiction, Eddie. You've beaten the streets. And you've beaten your past and became WWE champion. But you haven't beaten Ray Mysterio. And if you take Dominic away from me, the only thing Dominic is gonna know about Eddie Guerrero is that he is a chicken. If anybody knows I'm not a chicken, it's you. Then prove it, Eddie. Mysterio in a ladder match for the custody of Dominic. I'm going to climb this ladder for every father that loves his son. You may be his biological father, but after SummerSlam, Dominic, you're going to come home with his real father. With Bobby. And that's me. Who'd have thunk, right? Like, all the when we watched that match first time round, 15 years later... Dominic would be competing at SummerSlam. It's weird. I know, it? right? It's very, very oh, weird. But but let's but take us back to this match. Then what is it about this particular match that that you love so much? So I'm a massive Eddie Guerrero fan. Uh, that's one of the the bonding things between me and my dad. We loved Eddie and Chavo. So 
And then, of, of course, just Rey Mysterio, enough said, especially with the, the matches he was putting out back then. Like, even if we go further, like, to WCW, the matches he was putting in WCW. But, yeah, like, again, a lot of pretty awesome spots. Like, one, one of my favourite ones was, like, they, they did things like Rey did a, a springboard drop kick to, to Eddie uh, while Eddie was on the ladder to knock him off. They did the seated senton spot to the outside. Uh, and then that, that feud's one of my favourite feuds as well, literally just because we got the famous line, I'm your papi. So, and it bored a lot of T-shirts that, as well. That's that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I've got a T-shirt in there that says I'm your papi. <laughs> uh, where would uh, Emily have been watching that match then? Was that with your dad and your brother again? Yeah, once again, that would be my dad and my brother, the infamous, oh, let's just watch it the next day on the VHS. <laughs> <laughs> what was the um, the reaction from uh, with from friends and stuff to the match then? Because I remember I remember when it was on and the match it felt like such nonsense in the yeah. build up. But what what was the uh, sort of the feeling amongst you and your friends towards that match? So I obviously because I was a little kid at the time, I thought this was real. <laughs> I thought there is no way like Eddie's like I, I, like I said I loved Eddie so I was like why is Eddie being so mean and trying to steal Dominic away <laughs> and then my, I just remember my dad like watching it because obviously like he's a wee bit more clued in my dad was just like this is effing mental isn't it <laughs> <laughs> and that was just my dad's response to it and me and my brother are sitting there like, oh my God, he's going to take Dominic away from Ray. And he, but he gave him up and Vicky's telling him not to do it. And he should listen to his, his wife, Vicky. But isn't that great when, when it sucks you in that much? Yeah. You know, when oh, wrestling does that. 100%. And I think that's why we thought it was real because it was the whole, oh, let's, let's get everyone's wives involved in the story too. Let's actually get Dominic involved. So we're thinking, like, hold up a minute, like, this must be real because Vicky's coming out and she never comes out with, with Eddie and then, and then Ray's wife, Angie's coming out and she you never see her. It must be real if the families are involved. It must yeah. be. It must be. Um, it must be. What is it about Eddie Guerrero that inspires you so much as a performer? It's charisma, 100%. It wasn't just the fact that he was, he was an insane performer because, like, I watched a lot of old tapes of them uh in particular you can find them on youtube but it's uh but it was like really old matches i'm talking like early days wcw when when he was just a lean boy before he became a big boy and um and he would do like little things which i actually started incorporating when uh i started getting booked as a heel and it would be like oh they pulled my hair they pulled my hair and and things like that i would i would start saying things like that and yeah, I fell I fell in love with Ferdy because just yeah, the charisma. That's the only thing I can say. Like just the Latino heat, you know. We uh, we lost Eddie Guerrero the the year of that match, um, mm -hmm. and it was a few months later that he passed. Can you remember where you were when you heard the news? I remember I was in the living room, and my dad told me he he said, uh, "Oh, well, Raw is going to be interesting. SmackDown's going to be interesting. I was just like, oh, why, Dad? And he, and he was like, oh, but Eddie's passed away. And I was just like, no! And I broke my heart. And I broke my heart like, during the, the tribute show to him. And you, when you saw like, Ray and Batista crying, it was when I saw Batista crying, I was like, ah! Oh! 
Oh, there's wins there. It's funny to talk about because we just talked then about how like the custody ladder match felt so real. Well, his wife's there mm-hmm. and, and, and Ray's wife's there, so it must be. And they're kind of being told, no, this is all part of it. But then a few months later, you've got good guys, bad guys, respectively, all mm-hmm. all stood in a line, sobbing that this guy... And and then if somebody like yourself, who for, for whom the, the lines were a bit blurred anyway, it must have been strange yeah. to watch. Yeah, especially because... Um... Of all the mad storylines that they were doing WWE, like so I distinctly remember, uh, I think this is when uh, Benoit passed away. It was a I year. Believe. It was a year. I think maybe a year or two years later, where Chris Benoit mm-hmm. uh, passed, and again in the height of weird wrestling storylines. Yeah, because yeah, that was when they were doing the whole thing where Vince's limo exploded, and you thought that Vince was dead, and then and then it was uh, a week later. The, the news about Chris Benoit passing away and then it was like Vince was just there and I was like right what is going on oh that was just I, I remember because that week I remember it was like because the Vince they did the story where Vince died and everyone went oh that's a bit ooh, I don't know. and then yeah. in that same sort of span of time Sensational Sherry died in real yeah. life and and every kind of went oh maybe they'll drop this storyline because and they didn't and they carried on and then what happened happened with with uh, with Chris Benoit and 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 Nancy mm-hmm. and, and their son, and that was where they went. All right, we need to completely bin this off now. And and seeing yeah. Vince stood stood in, in an empty arena, something we get used to, um, was was <laughs> was a really really weird visual. And then as everything happened yeah. from there, um, but it's it's it, but a story. But with that match though, the SummerSlam match there, um. You mentioned a couple of spots from it, from the custody of Dominic ladder match. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there one that you have? You had to pick one, a favourite moment in that match. What would it be? I already know right away, and I'm laughing because I was expecting this question. So it's <laughs> it's the bit where uh, so Eddie's climbing the ladder, and the suspense is building. You see everyone sitting in their seats. But then everyone starts standing up and you're like, what's going on? And you just see Dominic running out of the ring. And everyone's like, what's Dominic doing? And then he's starting to try and shake the ladder and he just can't quite shake it. And Eddie stops and just looks down and then he just wags his finger at him, climbs down and then he's like, what's the matter with you? You know I could have fallen. Give me a hug. (laughs) And then he and then he corners Dominic, and poor Dominic does not know that this this isn't like this that this is a work. That's what I heard. I heard that Ray told him that this was legit and this was actually happening. And <laughs> so poor Dominic, like, throughout the match, they keep going to Dominic, and Dominic's like in tears in his eyes, thinking like, "Oh my God, like I might be going away with Eddie Guerrero." And then, and then, like Eddie's got him cornered, and he's like, "I'm your new daddy, SA. <laughs> oh, it's it's. I hate the thought that they said, "Dom, this is all happening, mate. Don't worry about it." Oh God! But Eddie at his finest, and Eddie truly yeah. at his at his lar- most larger than life at that particular yes. point and and gosh gone so very soon but it's amazing that he influenced you to do what you do yes. you, you kind of see that when we when we watch you perform there is a real uh, a flair to what you do and, and a personality style where does um where does emily hayden the wrestler begin and end well with emily because everyone always says 
the best wrestling characters yourself turned up to 11. So it kind of, Emily, with like with the comedy and the silly promos and, and, and whatnot, like that kind of came about because when I was with my circle of friends, in particular my, my, my friends that I made in wrestling, I would always come out with like really stupid things without thinking and they would think it was hilarious and they're like you should you should totally work that into a promo you should do this and and like oh see that thing that you just did like you should totally just say that and and then when I started having fun with it that way I started to implement it into the ring uh and then it became that this whole the penny dropping moment where everyone would always say to me when, when I was training uh, when you're having fun, everyone else has fun. But I didn't really quite understand that until it actually happened. And then it, all the antics that I got to do it, like Fierce Females and, and like W3L. Uh, like I remember myself and Rosie Knight, we, we'd done a wrestling match at, at W3L. And it started with rock, paper, scissors. And then, and then it escalated me pretending that I was pointing a gun at her with my fingers like, like that. And I was going, I'm going to shoot you. I'm going to shoot you. <laughs> and because me and Rosie were having fun, like the kids were having fun, they're all like, oh, don't shoot her. Don't shoot her. <laughs> so, yeah. But Emily is more confident. I would always say that. Emily's more confident. Like the way I always play Emily is uh fake it till you make it sort of a thing so it's like yes she calls herself the best beautiful the only but that's supposed to be very ironic because uh marissa doesn't think that so with me personally i suffer from anxiety like i've I've spoken about this i suffer from anxiety i suffer from depression uh so emily's kind of like that superhero for me so she's like the the superman to my clark kent so whatever whatever I feel outside the ring, I can just put that away and, and my outlet becomes wrestling and I get to be this larger than life character and I get to have fun, remember all the good things in life because of it. Hey, you said Emily is is your superhero and you've you've talked here and several times about how uh, you, you suffer from anxiety. How have you um how have you managed with the past twelve months not being able to put that cape on? Oh, it, it, it was a struggle. I have to say it was a struggle. Um, I didn't cope very well because like a lot of my coping mechanisms were wrestling. That was my outlet. Another outlet was the gym. Uh, being able to actually see my support network that I've made through through wrestling in, in my personal life. So that was a struggle. But then through the support network, like we, we would do like Zoom calls like this or just phone calls. Um, so through that, uh, I would still get my support network. So that was fine. But then it was my other half that actually said to me, well, why don't you get creative? Why don't you use this time to get creative? And that was how all my promos came about. That was how all the, the silly sketches came about. And that was how Twitch came about because I always said, to, I said to him for like a few months, like, uh, oh, I'm going to do Twitch at some point. I'm going to do Twitch at some point. But then because I was constantly away at the weekends doing wrestling and trying to balance the the work, like my, my work life out with wrestling, I just never had time. And then the world came to an end. And my other half was like, now you've got the time, do Twitch. And here we are. So, and now, and then it's now something that you do pretty regularly now. Like if you yeah. do three games on the go at the same time. Uh, do you find that's that's filled the, the, the void to an extent and, and, it, and it sort of quells your, your anxiety during lockdown? Yes, definitely. Um, it's one of the things that I really missed 
about wrestling was interacting with the fans. I always loved the interaction with them. I always loved when when you uh, when you would get like a little girl or a little boy that would come up to you with their, their parent at the end of the show and they'd be like, oh, Emily, you were so funny. Oh, Emily, we, we, we thought your match was hilarious. Or we thought it was brilliant. Uh, can, can you take a photo with my wee girl? She's a bit shy. Uh, she wants to be like you when she's older. And I would miss all that. Like I had a lot of really nice moments with fans. But through Twitch, because I can get that live interaction while I'm playing games, so I'm, I'm getting that interaction with fans and they're getting to see another side to Emily. They don't necessarily see the wrestler side, but they get to see the other qualities of me. So now everyone knows that I'm a big gamer, uh, whereas I would try and just kind of a, somehow try and work that into my references and promos and that would kind of a fail. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I get that live interaction with Twitch, so I'm very happy. And same with Twitter. Twitter's been good, but I can get that interaction with the fans. Same with uh, Facebook and Instagram, because I try to implement a lot more of my social media, uh, mainly just for interaction with fans. And yeah, it's it's nice that the the fans actually respond to me as well. Otherwise, this would be very awkward. Were you what? Would you be worried that they wouldn't? Well, sometimes, uh, like, I can be an inner saboteur, so sometimes I can have moments where I think, like, oh, nobody, nobody really likes Emily. Like, no wonder she's a right beach, isn't she? And, and then I think to myself, um, nah, no, nobody would really care if Emily didn't have anything to say in that, you know? So, but, but like I say, that's just my inner saboteur, and I kind of I just push that to the side, and I go, no, like, I wouldn't be where I am today without them, so... It's that is the, the a big part of, of anxiety. It sounds uh, it's a it's a form of imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. Um, and you say there you push it to the side, but it's it it isn't is it isn't as straightforward as just I'm just not going to think about that. Do you yeah. have coping mechanisms or or, or 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 activities or actions in place that you use when that inner saboteur gets a bit loud? Definitely, like um, there's moments where. Like we've started getting gym equipment like in the actual house now. So I, I go and I do a workout and maybe I'll go for a run. Uh, I play video games because that's my escape. Uh, if I can't have wrestling, I have my video games. I can I can go and transport myself into the world of Spira, you know, in Final Fantasy X. Or I can transform into Klonoa and fight my way through uh, Linatea's Vale. Like, so... That's always been a good coping uh, mechanism for me. Another one that I found as well is uh, my writing. So whenever I get an idea for a promo, I always sit and write it down. I've got a promo book. Or, or like, uh, oh, this would be a funny sketch. Like, oh, well, I could do this with Toasty. This would be quite funny. And, um, and I just try to get my writing out that way. And sometimes I'll even try, uh, like, I'll see a photo of myself from, like, a, an old show or maybe, like, just a photo that I've got in general. And I'll be like, um, that's a funny caption I'll put that up see it sounds like because you use a lot of, of social media a lot and I think over mm-hmm. the past 12 months people have had a, a real love and hate relationship with it like mm-hmm. I, I I had two weeks off uh, at the end of last month and my with the plan being I'm just not gonna look at socials mm-hmm. for two weeks because my head's a bit full of it all um, how do you cope when when social media does turn a little bit nasty and does turn a bit sour and i'm not and i'm not saying that there's a 
there are things that get talked about. I think the speaking out movement was was fueled through Twitter, mm. and it was absolutely the right thing to do uh, to, yes. to to shout about these things that are going on. It's not something you can shy away from. But amongst that, amongst the the the, the, the positive uses and the pushes that Twitter has, you do have those days. You do have those uh, those situations where it is just incredibly aggressive and negative. And we've seen mm. it with wrestling promotions coming back. Um, I know yeah. that both ICW, which we'll talk about in a bit because I'm enjoying what you guys are up to there. But with ICW and with Progress, there's been uh, a lot of negative reaction. Not so much to some of the things that have gone on because they're issues in themselves, but more the fact that wrestling is back under a mm-hmm. WWE umbrella and seen as okay. How do you cope when stuff like that is seemingly harangued for no reason and you can't escape it? It's one of those ones where... For me, the best way that I cope and the, the best way that I've found to cope during all this is because um, before I would just spend like all day in bed and not want to get out and I wouldn't want to be motivated. And I thought that's that's no way to live. So I, w- I would try and just take a couple hours away from the phone, just as simple as that, and, and try and remember like, oh no, like my, my whole world doesn't exist in this phone. My whole world exists out here. And me, me and my partner, like we, we picked up hiking, like that that became our thing, like hiking and hill walking. So I got to go out and see the uh, the bigger picture at some points. It's like that Ferris Bueller quote, you know, like life moves pretty fast. You need to stop and look once in a while. So I try to bear that in mind. Where's a great and, place um, that you guys have gone hiking? The the best place that I've been was we went to the the Falls of the Clyde, and I got to see the waterfall there, and I'd never seen it before. And he he kept he kept saying to me after like after we first started dating like oh, I'm gonna take you there I'm gonna take you there and eventually we went and it was and it was an awesome moment like I've I've got a photo I think I put it up on on my Twitter in fact and it's uh he got a photo when I wasn't looking and it was in me actually like, looking at the waterfall and I was like this is like the best moment ever and um I keep trying to like go them into getting us a dog though that we can take like hill walking with us and he's like no. <laughs> I'm like, come on, let's get a dog. Go <laughs> for hill walking. He's like, no. I don't think the cats would be too happy. I don't think Goku and Krillin would be particularly happy if there was a dog there. No, right they now. would not. They're little chunky boys now, so no. <laughs> well, maybe they just might not be bothered then. They might just not be bothered. Well, it's it's important to talk about sort of like things that you do to, to quell some of that noise because I know a lot of mm-hmm. people have had... Uh, this real heavy lockdown anxiety and mm-hmm. uh, and anxiety in general. So uh, I appreciate you sharing some of the things that you do to definitely. To, to oh, I just remembered another thing. Oh, uh, so I, was, I was just like, oh, I've remembered another thing that I do. Um, when I was saying like I put the phone down for a few hours and I, and I do stuff. It's uh, one of the things I do in particular now is I started playing Dungeons and Dragons and it's like the best thing oh, ever. Wow. Yeah. So is this over Zoom? Is this with your partner? Is this? Yeah. So I'll 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 tell you about like the the, the one that I'm doing right now. Yes. So I, I, yeah. Oh, so you're a big D and D fan. This is great. I like so, it. So, <laughs> so uh, my partner, he's currently the DM for a campaign right now. So he he started playing like a year before, like only like two months after we got together, and he had his little group that they would go to like each other's houses and play D and D. So after the pandemic started, they all started doing it through a website called Roll20. And it was, it's essentially Zoom, but you can actually see like the map of the, the area and whatnot. And you can see like your little token characters. It's pretty cool. Wow. So, so they started playing that from March of last year. 
uh, and they kept it going. And then it was November, and my other half said to me, like, do you want to play? Because we're, we're, we're a couple of players down, and if we don't have so many players, we can't play because there's not enough. And, and that way I was just like, all right, I'll just jump in for one week and, and like, fill the, the spot so that they can actually play. But then I get, like, hooked on it instantly. I get, like... Um, I, I, felt, I fell in love with it because it's very similar to wrestling where you create a character and you just create like this whole backstory and, and you build around that. And um, so we've, we've got that, that we play in Roll20. And now I'm at, like, me and my partner are actually talking about making another campaign and we're going to get Jaylan on it because she's been dying to play D&D. So... I've said to Jayla, do I jump in on that? We've got her husband playing. We've got Bobby Roberts playing and DCT's going to play with us as well. So we're all just going to be playing a campaign together too. It kind of fills that void of wrestling more so than anything because it's all about character and story and and combat and... And all the and all the, the fun and silliness that goes with it. So it's actually a really fitting substitute whilst wrestling is on the whole not happening. It's so awesome. Like literally I'm playing as a level six sorceress right now and it's the greatest thing ever. <laughs> I will figure it out. Like j- just give me something and that and I will run with it. Like if I need to make imaginary fireballs and launch them at people, I will. <laughs> 
If I said you take a movie with you, uh, what movie would you take, Emily? Ghostbusters. Straight in there. The first one? Yep, first one. I love the second one too. I don't understand why it gets so much hate. But yeah, like I love the first one. Like Bill Murray is, is a god in my eyes. Uh, that's actually where The Best of Beautiful They Only came from. It came from Ghostbusters. Ah, yeah, not a lot of people know of that. Of course, it did. Yeah, and it's uh, it's from Ghostbusters two, and it's after the the court scene where they fight the Scully brothers, and the reporters are all outside and they're trying to interview them, and Bill Murray bursts out the door and he goes, "We're the best, we're the beautiful, we're the only, we're the Ghostbusters." And when I was watching Ghostbusters, I was like, I'll take that. Amazing. <laughs> um, thoughts on the remake from a few years ago? No, did not like it. No. I'm I'm all for women showing that we can do it too, but there's just some things that you should not touch, like Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters is a taboo subject for me. It's either Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd or no one. As a Bill Murray super fan, I'm assuming that you've watched a very Murray Christmas on Netflix. Yes, of course <sighs> I have. Scrooge is another thing that I, I love to watch at Christmas time. Scrooge is a masterpiece. It's true. <laughs> I think I think just Christmas. Bill Murray has just become Christmas. Christmas and Groundhog Day. They're Bill Murray's exactly. holidays. The... Exactly. Oh. It's amazing, and I love it. Like I actually did a promo using Bill Murray as well, <laughs> and it was me and Toasty. We were watching a Christmas movie, and it was, and I was like, right, we're doing Scrooge. And and it was the scene where the the ghost of Christmas present it was the fairy and she whacks him with the toaster and I was like right I need to do a promo of toasting with this because <laughs> this is the sign. And the promo the the promo was literally me just watching it with him and then I go what do you mean that's your cousin because I made like a joke like that about Ghostbusters too where Tosi told me that that was his cousin that starred as the toaster in Ghostbusters too. <laughs> I like how ghosty, go, I like, ghosty? That's ghosty. Well, there you go. That's that's the oh, Halloween, that's the Halloween costume sorted. Um, that's... Oh, his Twitter handle at Halloween now. Ghosty. I like how Tosi just claims. Got you a Twitter handle for Halloween. <laughs> We're getting it sorted in March. <laughs> Make a note, creative honor. Write it in your promo book. You'll remember it, man. <laughs> Write it in the book. I was gonna get the book, but then I was like, "This is my D and D notes." <laughs> what, what's what's on the what's on the D and D notes? What's on the D and D notes? Uh, that I'm a chaotic neutral, so I always forget. Like someone's learned the terminology. Yeah, but what's on the D? Yeah, but what's on the D and D notes? <laughs> <laughs> no, it literally says, look, chaotic neutral. You don't, need, you don't need reminding that you're chaotic neutral, Emily. It's just like things, uh, because my source of this character, I got to pick uh, the, the dragon that my, my ancestry comes through, and I picked Black Dragon because I'm goth, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then uh, I was looking through the levels on it, and it says, when you get to level 14, you can, you can grow dragon wings and use those in battle. And I was like, I'm making a note of that because I want to remember that. <laughs> That's amazing. That's about. I wish we could do that in real life. Make everything so much easier. Right? Yeah. But I'm beach. It's me with my dragon wings. <laughs> pay me. Um, the how about an album? What album would you take, Emily? Oh. All right. No, I know right away. It's either Joan Jett. Uh, and it would be the bad reputation, or it would be Prince Purple Rain. 
Oh, okay. Which one? We gotta, we gotta. You gotta, you gotta choose. I'm gonna have to go with Purple Rain. I'm what 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 is it that what is it the pips purple rain to the post? So in the time that like again, my dad got me into prints, so that's that's always been our thing. Um so for me, I need to put purple rain at the forefront because I feel like all the songs in that album can just go with any mood. It doesn't matter if I'm in a sad mood, I suck on the purple rain album and I'm like, yes, I'm in a great mood after it. Let's do this. And then I, I listen to like, I would die for you. And I'm like, yeah, right, let's go. Yeah, let's get pumped up. Nice. So it covers all bases emotionally then, doesn't it? Yeah. Really I can does. listen to it anytime and then I feel better. So uh, Plus, I feel like it would go with the, you know, with the island vibe, you know, like I could just yeah. be sitting there like drinking out of coconut, listening to Purple Rain. It'd be awesome. Amazing. Amazing. How about a luxury item? Oh, see, now this is the one I'm trying to figure out. See, I would say the cats because then I could start mowing cat wrestling federation with them. <laughs> and that would provide a lot of entertainment. Like, I've actually put off on my social media a few times the two of them fighting because they, they like to think that they're Bart and Lisa in The Simpsons, you know. Well, if I do this and you get hurt, it's your own fault. <laughs> Well, at time of recording, my Pat Pablo is the cultaholic heavyweight champion. So he's oh, wow. more than happy to take uh, old, uh, take challenges on from Goku and Krillin. So... Telling that, pal. Let's go. <laughs> fight, <laughs> you're, you're fight, fight. <laughs> you, you say they, they weren't your cats to begin with. They came with the boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you feel going into that? Were you a fan of cats to begin with? I'm more of a dog person mm. and I've always said that like that was the first thing I said to him he said they had two cats I was like cute uh but then I was like I'm more of a dog person though and like he even says like he's more of a dog person but he kind of uh inadvertently got the cats it was he was supposed to get one and then the guy brought like the uh, two of them in the box and he was like pick which one and my boyfriend's very indecisive so he was like uh I'll take the two of them uh... <laughs> And also, and they can't. You, 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 there's probably like a, a, a sweetness to it. The whole idea that you can't leave, what you can't take one and leave the other. Like they've yeah. got, they've got to travel together now through life. That's it. Well, they are actually brothers. They're from the same letter. So, oh, well, there like when I, when I say that the two of them are brothers, like I'm not saying because they just live here. Like no, they are actually brothers. Uh, and I used to think that because Krillin was the big boy out of the two of them, that he was the alpha. But it turns out it's Goku, which I was very surprised about. He's... Because uh, Goku is my little social cat. Like he, he was the he took me like that first time he met, he met me. Uh, he's got the big eyes like Trico as well from Last Guardian. Every time oh. he looks at me. Oh, they, and they... that's how they... he's my little familiar now. They melt your heart when they do that. Yeah. With the big eyes, they really do. You're a network beach now, Emily Hayden. I'm a network beach. Network beach. Oh. So ICW. Now, when did you get the call? Uh, to be a part of this ICW reboot on the WWE Network. Oh wow! Um, I want to say about when was that? Like, I, I distinctly remember because it was my mother half's anniversary, and I, and then they asked me to come in on her anniversary. <laughs> so I want to say about October, like maybe September, like that they asked me, and then I was like, oh, that's her anniversary. How do you feel about this partner? And he and he was just like, not wrestling, go for it. Oh, there you go. <laughs> like you can spend time after it. How did it feel well, getting back into a wrestling ring after all that time, and to be a part of ICW and about a part of ICW's restart? Like, how was all that emotion to deal with? 
surreal like uh, the best way I always describe it is like I, it was one of those need, need to pinch myself moments because not only was I going to get back in the ring but it didn't actually register with me that I was going to be in the, the WWE network until uh, I did my first match and I was just talking to to Dallas and, and Scott and just making sure everything's okay and like anything you want me to take on board is there anything you need me to do and Dallas like, no no that's fine really like your character etc etc and then he was like yeah um so I'll let you know when it's about to go up in the network like the date and that and, and then we kind of I just went okay and that way I went to walk away and I was like the network <laughs> And I was like, oh, I forgot this is going on the network. Well, hmm, ah. Uh. Because <laughs> that's, a, that's a big thing to happen. Somebody like yourself who's been doing this for, for as long as you have to be at a point when... And, and, that, and since it came back, there is a very different feel to it. And I think a lot of long-term ICW fans, are, there are fans that are really glad that it's back. And there are some that maybe haven't quite warmed yet mm-hmm. uh, what would because and personally i think it's great to see it back and I, I think that there's a there's a really unique aesthetic to it that really creates a more of the icw vibe than i think ever because icw always had that undergroundy earthy feel to it and they and that's what's been recreated through the mm-hmm. network um if there's, if there's people who are on the fence about the icw return um because it does look and feel different what would mm-hmm. you say to them to bring them bring them to this to, to our side? I would say for them to give it a chance because not only, like you say, it's encapsulated the, the original feel to ICW, um, it, it's also captured the, the ECW element as well, like back from the, the original ECW, which is pretty awesome. And um, I would also say it feels a lot more intimate it feels a lot more intimate because it, it, it's just yourself and the camera. And it's really, really giving people a chance to show what they're made of because it's like, yes, some of us are good at interacting with the crowd, but let's actually show what we can do without a crowd. Uh, because that was a crazy moment where uh, they, they were they were explaining to me about the, the cameras and whatnot. And they're like, ah, we need you to interact with the camera as much as possible. And I was just like, don't need to tell me, bitch. I'll do it. <laughs> and uh, even though, oh no, sorry. Oh, so even I was gonna say that even though like you're somebody who is so so happy to to get in front of the camera and do stuff. Was what was it like competing in an environment which is which is still very removed from wrestling with no fans there? Like, was that an an unusual experience? To, was that weird to get used to? It was strange to get used to at first because uh, there was like a lot of different elements I had to get used to since that was the, the first time that in a very long time that I, I was working for ICW because I hadn't worked for them since 2014. And that was more of a an enhancement match I was doing with someone to, to make the other person look better. So this was a chance for me to actually co- uh, come in and show the things that I've incorporated and learned over the years uh, towards my craft. So having that moment where the camera's like right on you as you're coming out the curtain and then you go, oh, hold on, like the crowd is like basically right in front of me in this camera, like how do, how do I interact? And then I just came out and I just started doing my usual spout and all sorts of nonsense. Like, it's me, rest the beach, blah, blah, blah. Ah, beach, I'm going to take arms. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. <laughs> just making a list. Is there, <laughs> is there anybody on that current roster that you are excited to work with in an ICW ring? 
100% that would need to be Angel Hayes. She's a little firecracker and I love her to bits. Like, I always say it's scary to think that that girl is about 18, 19 years old and imagine what she's going to be like at my age. Like, it's insane. Like, uh, everyone always used to say when we would see her at training, when she was like 13, like, oh, she's going to be the next Kaylee Ray. She's going to be the next Kaylee Ray. And the more I'm watching her in the ring, and recently I watched an episode uh, the, the recent episode of ICW and she was cutting the promo in the ring and I just remember watching it and going she's such a wee Kaylee Ray when she's talking there isn't she <laughs> so yeah um I that's another thing I would say like just to get people onto the product like it's, it's showcasing all these people that you normally wouldn't see um because because we, we we've had Kaylee, Carmel, Viper, Casey and whatnot like paving the way for us at ICW and it's nice to show we have a women's division there are all these other girls and you're getting little talented superstars like Angel Hayes that a lot of people might not have heard of but now all over the world you're going to know the name Angel Hayes and it's amazing so people need to I would I would hope for people to be more open and actually give give it a chance just to see people that you wouldn't normally ever see in the product. So that'd be pretty awesome. Amazing. So every Saturday nights on the WWE Network, uh, ICW. Um, by the time this goes out, uh, Bard will be available, which is your all yep. steel cage match special. Uh, and, yep. and, and every Saturday night from there on. Before we let you go, you've got one more match to get to for your DVD. I haven't forgotten about the DVD yet. The small match of the DVD. Uh, Edge versus Mick Foley in a hardcore match from WrestleMania was your first one. We have the Custody of Dominic Ladder match making its debut on Desert yeah. Island Graps at number two. Uh, what is your third and final match going to be, Emily? I have to go with Trish Stratus versus Lita at Unforgiven 2006. WWE.com. The Lita says you're retiring after Unforgiven. Apparently, Lita must have overheard Trish making that statement, and Lita went right to the people at WWE.com, and there it is on the front page. This has been a decision that, I mean, it's one of the biggest decisions I've had to make in my life, and I don't want people finding out like this, you know, like I was going to make an announcement and tell people, and I don't know why I'm so surprised. That is something that Lita would do. She would take my personal business, and you know what? She's just a nosy bitch. There is a huge rivalry between these two tremendous athletes. I was going to call you out because I was going to challenge you. One last time, one last match, Trish and Lita, for the Women's Championship. I can think of no better way to end your career than beat you. Just bring it, bitch. Now, these two had some great battles over the years. Mm -hmm. They're very much the... The, the top of their their, their their division at that time. But what is it about this one that you that you put above others? So this one was special to me for like so many different reasons. So one, of course, being Trisha's retirement match, to the fact that she got to retire as the like she she won the women's championship and she got to retire. Three, she got to wrestle in her hometown to do so. And four, we've always known the two of them to feud and it's always been Trish is the heel. Lita's the baby face, but we actually got that role reversal uh, in their final encounter. And it felt like a full circle moment for me because Trish and Lita started together building the division and now Lita's the last opponent before she retires. It seems so perfect to do it that way. You're, what did you feel about the, the, the moment after that match? Because it's something that's come in conversation quite a bit. 
which was following the uh, the retirement of Lita, the last time we see her on screen for that in, in that incarnation, uh, mm-hmm. is is crime time. Uh, the late Shad Gaspar and JTG going through her going through her suitcase and throwing her underwear and stuff around. It's uh, it, you're shaking your head as you're saying that. So I think you've answered the question already. I was not happy with that. Like as much as she was getting built built as this beach heel, it's like I was just not impressed. Like. I felt like she paved the way for a lot of women and she deserved a better send-off. If we can give a big send-off like that to Trish, why couldn't we do it for Lita? It's like she had like one moment of indiscretion after the whole Edge and, and Matt incident, but I don't think like one little discrepancy like that should ruin a whole career. It was um, rectified by the company to mm-hmm. an extent in 2006 with Lita going into the WWE Hall of Fame mm-hmm. uh, and, and being recognised there as... as, as the performer that she was what did it feel like for you being like Lita being your introduction really to the world of women's wrestling to mm-hmm. see Lita going into the hall of fame in 2006 that that put a smile on my face because when I saw Trish going in I was like right, it's only a matter of time before we get Lita right it's only a matter of time before we get Lita and it was awesome seeing Trish in the hall of fame but when I saw Lita uh and then she got Trish to induct her that that made me all emotional and it, it just hit a soft spot for me because, like I said, came full circle. Like, there wouldn't be a Lita without Trish, there wouldn't be a Trish without Lita. So, and then when she started going through the her full career and her speech, and in particular when she got to the bit about the storyline of Kane, where it was uh, she was pregnant, but but like she lost the baby because of Snitsky and all that when she got into all that and the, the speech like it, it just made me think back to that moment as a kid and being like what the heck is going on <laughs> <laughs> it is great <laughs> the Snitsky I forgot all about that that was certainly a thing it that wasn't happened. my fault <laughs> <laughs> but to, to go back to the match um between Trish and Lita uh from Unforgiven another one that you watched with your dad and your brother Another cassette yep, one? Yeah, that was an hour one. With... Yep, VHS once again. Yeah. That's uh... where all my great moments are coming from. That's, but that's great, though, that there's been that consistency throughout, yeah. your, throughout your life as a wrestling fan, that, that, they've, that they've all been watched in that way. Um, yeah. From that one, though, when once Lita went and once Trish, Trish Stratus went, which other wrestlers um, did you find, which other female wrestlers did you find you gravitated to? Kind of, was anybody so... that replaced them? For me, Beth Phoenix, Beth Phoenix, like when she finally stepped up and she came out and she did the Glamazon and I was like, wow, now that is a strong lady because I'd never seen, like, so we'd seen the High Flyer Luchadora style from Lita. We saw Trish getting into the more kind of a brawler technical style and then we see this powerhouse called Beth Phoenix and she had the character and she could talk as well and then um, then I started, because of her, I started to gravitate towards Natalia, uh, in particular when they did the Divas of Doom, because I just thought that was superb. Uh, when they were putting like Kelly Kelly in the surfboard, and oh, you're going to cry, you're going to cry, oh, and they yeah. were like, putting the bullies. It's, so, it's, it's weird in the sense that once sort of Trish and Lita retire, you start to see like more emphasis in different ways on the women's division. Mm. We would have the, the Divas Championship for a while and then we would get to a point where Lita would return in a WWE ring and unveil the the the, the Divas Championship is no, no more and the Women's Championship is a thing once again. Another really pivotal moment in, in women's wrestling to actually go, here's the title you're fighting for 
and it, it looks like the men's title. Mm-hmm. It's it's a replica of the men's title as it as it should be. Yeah, it's one. Of yeah, the... that that was a pretty awesome moment. It, it wore, honestly it warmed my heart the fact that it was Lita as well that got to introduce the new belt. I was like, that's pretty awesome. To come full. So I feel like that was like all the redemption right there, building right up to. Oh, yeah. Sorry, we did this to you for a send off. Do you want to introduce the new belt? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like a lot they've done has been long-winded apology to Lita, and rightly so. Yeah. Just to, to, to keep trying to go. Well, sorry about that. Uh, can, do you want to come in the Hall of Fame? <laughs> do you want to introduce the championship? Do you want to comment out on the Mayo Classic? Do you want to just? They keep. I'm, I'm glad of it. We come beautifully full circle, and I like to throw this question in at the very end, where I like to take you back to the 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 moment with your your dad and your brother. You're watching Lita flying off the top rope with that moonsault, and you've gone, "Oh my God, girls can do this too." Um, what would you say to young Emily at that point if you could go back and talk to her? I would say, hey, Beach, it's me, Russell Beach. What's going on? <laughs> uh, You've got a no, promo I... on her, basically. <laughs> let, let me tell you something, Beach. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I would, I would say to her, like, um, keep, keep that head in the clouds <laughs> because it, it's going to get you far one day. All those people that that told you that you, you could you couldn't do this, you couldn't do that, that thought you were this weird little nerd girl, uh, it's all gonna pay off eventually. So you keep doing you, and this road that you're on right now, it's it's gonna come full circle. So keep being you, Beach. And where can people find you online, Beach? Oh my goodness, here we go. Ah. Uh, I need to clear the throat. I feel like I need to do a couple of lunges. Do you, or want, to, do you want to get a glass of water or something before you do your do your, do your plugs, do your spiel? Uh, Beach, I'm Scottish. We've got an iron brew right here. You know, ah, so. good, good lad. <laughs> so, uh, my Twitter is at Emily Hayden under slash UK. My Instagram is under slash Emily Hayden under slash. My Facebook is you just type in Emily Hayden and you see this mug. Hey, Beach. Uh, my YouTube channel is the exact same. It's Emily Hayden, and then of course there's my Twitch channel, which is, and I'm so proud of the fact that I remember this off by heart now. Twitch.tv forward slash Twitch Beach under slash Emily Hayden. Twitch Beach, you nailed that. That's nice. <laughs> What's um this? This is going out. The date this goes out, it is uh the 31st of March in two. 2021 so it's a wednesday this is going out what do you normally stream on a wednesday what do i normally stream on a wednesday uh or... on average that's either my clonoa day or eco because i'm trying I'm try to keep my final fantasy day to monday mm-hmm. so ch- I feel like that needs to be my big rpg day so chances <laughs> are if you're listening to this on the day of release once it's done you can find tweets beach and go and watch them possibly go watch them clonoa too yeah and and you've uh, you did all of those and they're all spot on but you actually forgot one which i'm surprised oh yeah i need i need to uh, mention toasty there you go at, at, at the of the toasty oh my goodness oh and i also need to give a shout out to marissa ma Jayla, because we also have a Twitter account called Pixel Bitches, and that's where me and her do our streams and whatnot. That was something I was so sad about, the fact that like the pandemic hit just as we were starting to get that going. <laughs> Gutted. Is, so that's something you'll pick up again, though. Jayla was on the other week, and she said nothing but nice things about you. I'm sure she, she talked about like, hitting me with a, a lightsaber as well. 
<laughs> we we had the story about the lightsaber breaking. That's what happens, kids, when you buy a cheap lightsaber, you don't get a replica one like Jailer. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. (laughs) 